on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We break down the over-under win totals for the Big 12 Conference. Then we discuss what's taken the SEC future schedule model so long and what is going on in the state of Iowa. We also give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, May 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of May, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this on Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Just a reminder, please subscribe to whatever platform you listen or watch on, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I do do all that stuff. It helps us out. Ted, how are we doing? Fantastic, man. Doing excellent. Um, As always, cannot uh, complain. Life is good. I like hearing that now. Normally, we we get to we get to the OU football stuff as quickly as possible, right? I don't think anyone enjoys seven to eight minutes of personal stories and <laughs> updates before getting to the. But I did want to share share what I would call a proud dad moment. Ah, so this week, big week at gymnastics, Ted, and as you can tell by my son's size, his gymnastics career is going to be short lived. Okay? I can't wait to see uh, the six six. 250 pound frame doing the iron cross on the uh on the rings gonna be yeah. impressive <laughs> i i don't think gymnastics is in his future but i take him to gymnastics class these last couple months right i've been the one taking him because clearly my wife was dealing with the pregnancy and now she's had a baby and like all that right so this week it was a very special class ted medals in may it's what oh. we had been building up to okay Right. It is basically the end of the year class. Like, hey, let's show off what we've learned, what we can do, how much better, uh, really, how much more coordinated we've gotten over the time in gymnastics class. So obviously, I brought him. My wife came with our newborn baby. Uh, my mom, my mother in law were there. Our nanny was there. Like, big crowd. Pressure's on. Big crowd to perform. Right. And he did great. Big cheering section. Right. So at the end of it, 
you get a medal, right? Medals in May, right? So going into it, I was like, I'm not going to say a word. If he, if he loves the medal, like, I'm not going to be that dad. That's like, give me the, give me, give me that participation medal. Like you're not even that good. You know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I didn't have to do that because I, I put the medal around his neck and to say he wanted nothing to do with it is an understatement. <laughs> he looked at me, he looked at that medal and was like, what the hell is this? I don't want this. And there was part of me, I was like, Ah, I, cause I was like, I'll, I'll hide it when we get home. Like, come on, man. This is, this is a participation trophy. We don't need this. He was having none of it. And I didn't say anything out loud, but in my heart, I was like, Oh, I love you, son. Thank you. That's impressive. Now it could be two things here. He wants nothing to do with the participation trophy. Give me the gold, nothing else. And I want to earn it or not an accessories guy. That's uh, true. No necklace, no watch in the future. That's how I am. Keep it clean. No telling. Okay. Well, maybe both. Either either seems you know not that bad, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So, hey, awesome. yeah, but it was it was just really funny. My my wife walks up to me. She's like, "Yeah, no participation trophies in this family." <laughs> it was just it was it was really funny. I just awesome. I just wanted to share that because I know we had talked about that on here in the past and it just I, I was laughing it was just so funny and a proud dad moment man that's awesome that's awesome hopefully he continues the good fight because it's going to go on all through his uh his younger years yeah be dishing out uh participation trophies left and right my son his baseball team he's got a collection of rings that is more impressive than mine from OU it's crazy <laughs> the rings that they dish out to these kids Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's get to the OU football stuff. If you don't enjoy our family stories, I'm sorry. I thought it was a good story. I thought it was a good story. All right. We have over-under win totals, Ted. That When these things start coming out, and I know it's only May 10th, like I get it, but it starts to make the season feel near. It does. To me. Like you're like, okay, we've got numbers. We've got odds, but – DraftKings released their over-under win totals for every Big 12 team. Let's just go through them real quick alphabetically. They've got Baylor at 7.5, BYU at 6, Cincinnati at 4.5, Houston at 4.5, Iowa State at 5.5, Kansas at 6.5, Kansas State at 8.5, Oklahoma at 9.5, Oklahoma State at 6.5, TCU at 7.5, Texas at nine and a half, Texas Tech at seven and a half, UCF at six and a half, and West Virginia at four and a half. Let's start by focusing on the Sooners. Ted, OU with an over under win total of nine and a half. What do you think? I think it's I think it's a pretty it's a pretty safe over bet for Oklahoma. And it really doesn't have anything to do with necessarily how good of a football team we are. Um, I think we can become a really good football team. We've got a lot of work to do. I think that can happen. But for me, it's the schedule. It's the schedule. I And, and maybe I'm, I'm 
I'm blind to it. Maybe there's bias. You could call it whatever you want, but I I fully believe that we have the easiest schedule that I've ever seen Oklahoma have in the 20 plus years I've been involved with the program. And I I know that there's going to be a team, a couple of teams on the schedule that like right now, I don't know, you've got UCF with a six and a half win total. You've got some of these other schools with low win totals. Like someone's going to come from the pack and be a really good team. It just happens in this conference every year. It happened with TCU last year. So there's going to be some teams that I definitely undervalue, but still given that, I mean, there's a, there's a really good chance that we play one top 25 team the entire year. And that's Texas. And you know, there's a chance Texas isn't even in the top 25 by the time we play them with what their schedule looks like before they play us. So for me, I would take the over has more to do with the schedule than it does what I necessarily think of the football team. So you, you're, you're very interesting when it comes to this thing, because you are, you are a fan of, I, I don't want to call them low expectations, but let's call them more reasonable. Mm-hmm. expectations right you, you'd rather them you know have a win total of eight as the over under as opposed to nine and a half so does this make you feel any better or worse about the season right now clearly didn't live up to the expectations last season right mm-hmm. but can Oklahoma play the nobody believes in us card when your over under win total is nine and a half when you're when you're tied for the highest win total in the entire conference. Like it, I, I guess Venables can try, right? We, hey, Kirby smart played it last year. So if they can do uh, it, certainly Venables can do it. Well, I think they definitely can. Um, you know, it, it, it's still, it's a high win total, but I don't think it has anything to do. A lot of times, you know, Vegas is trying to find, find this range to where they can get action. If they if they have Oklahoma with the schedule that they have with a eight game win total, they're going to be flooded with money on Oklahoma to win more than eight games, and the program is basically a ten win season, a ten win team. You know, since post World War II, so. Vegas doesn't want to find themselves in that situation. So like this is a I think this is a pretty good number. But yeah, I think they can. I mean, it's going to be difficult with the win total numbers, but if they're even a top 25 team preseason, they're going to be fringe like they're going to be 20 and above, I think. 22 seems to be the throw you a bone number is what it usually is. 21, 22, um which I think is is the best Oklahoma could probably ask for in that regard. So, yeah, I think they can come into the season with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, which they should. They have a ton of reasons to do so. But, yeah, I think they could use that as some motivation. Yeah, when, when you look at – and I completely agree with you, right? The, the schedule, let's go with it, it is favorable, right? Remember – you don't have Georgia in that non-conference game anymore. They get replaced by SMU and SMU. That is that is not some gimme game, right? Let, let's make that very clear. Now it's in Norman. You feel really good about it being week two, right? You're going to have a tune-up game. 
in week one to get ready for that game, right? The trip to Tulsa, that's going to be a home game. So when you think about the toughest games that OU's got on the schedule, I do think going to Cincinnati is going to be interesting, right? You've never been there. It's a foreign environment. It's just going to be, it's going to be a new field there. There is some, there is some uncertainty about what that team's going to look like now that Scott Satterfield is there running things at Cincinnati. Clearly Texas in the Cotton Bowl is going to be the marquee game of the year, just like it always is. And then you've got three, what I will call, maybe they're not sneaky, but I think at Kansas is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Now that they, they've got things in order there in Lawrence at Oklahoma state, right? Bedlam. That that's, that's always interesting. And then of course the November trip to BYU Provo in November. I, I, every, everybody tells me that that's an electric atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that Oklahoma is going to have to handle that and, and weather that storm there and deal with the cold and all that. But I, I do think when you look at the schedule, Right. If your toughest games involve, you know, Cincinnati, Kansas, and BYU, get a pretty favorable schedule, man. I know. That's that's the thing. And we're at Kansas, and that's gonna be a, a different Kansas situation than it's been the last fifteen years. Right. Yeah, I, I do want to add TCU in the finale, obviously in Norman. TCU, right. I, I think I think they're going to be – I know they lost a lot, but they're going to be a talented football team again. Yeah. Um, but I think that Oklahoma historically has played better in bigger environments. Like, that's – I don't worry about the bigger environments. I worry about the big favorite sleepy environment. That's what I worry about. And I just – I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of – situations like that like first time going to Cincinnati I, I think that energizes the team a little bit of unknown right as a coaching staff like when there's unknown you could scare your players right scare them into you know having their nose in their playbook the entire week and and making sure that they're super locked in it's same thing with BYU um so I don't know I just again the the schedule the favorability as you put it is is about all we could ask for, especially coming off the year we had last year. So, like, I would take the, I would take the the over on the nine and a half. I think it's a, I think it's a really fair number for Oklahoma, considering uh, historically what the program does. Take into account last year, but still, I mean, I think that there's, I think that there's plenty of of opportunity for for this Oklahoma team to turn into a a legitimate what we would consider a double digit win team regardless of what their their schedule looks like some things have to happen we've got a long way to go but i think that that could they could turn into a really good football team yeah it, when you when you look at the schedule and then you also have to take this in account and and this is something i've i've gathered over the years from the nerds right like our buddy bill conley mm-hmm. over at espn Right, who's been on the podcast multiple times. There is, you know, sometimes you look at a season where you underperformed and you see how many close losses there are. And then just statistically speaking, that trend tends to flip, right? 
or at least I certainly hope it will. So the hope is you don't lose all those close games again. You win those close games, and all of a sudden you're looking at a double-digit win season. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you want to call it luck, right? That's it, 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 I think it's hard to put a metric to luck, but I, I do think all the close losses they had in 2022, like statistically speaking, that that should not repeat itself, right? Yeah. So instead of being a six-win team, you know, you're a nine or ten-win team, right? That's so. That's one of the things when I look at this number, I'm like, okay, they lost a bunch of close games, got a bunch of guys back, year of experience in those new systems, offensively and defensively. Hopefully, that luck, or for lack of a better term, flips, and you win those close games. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. Um, good teams tend to get luckier. Right, it's just good players find themselves around the ball. Good things happen to good players. Good things happen to good teams. Um, but you're right; things typically are going to going to even out a little bit. You know, we've been the beneficiary of some calls and some plays in past years, and honestly, I you just look at the what was it the 21 season. What we end up winning in that we won ten games that year. I, right. the difference between twenty one and twenty two is really not that much. It's basically the same team. You know, I know there's it's not the same players. I'm just talking about like really the skill level and how good they like that. I think they actually were. Um, the twenty one team found a way to come up with some really close victories, some, some close wins, some fortunate plays. And the next year's team didn't come up with any of those plays. And you have this dramatic difference in what the overall record is, but I don't think there's that dramatic of a difference between the two actual teams. So, I mean, that's, I think that's a pretty good case in point, what you're talking about. I think there's a good chance that, you know, those things may be even out and there's a line in between the two. But I also think that there's a chance that we have a much better team than both the 21 and 22 seasons. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. Now I will point out Caleb Williams was on the 2021 team. Just saying. It's true. Well, it's it's definitely but a true. young, a true freshman Caleb Williams. So I I I I hear what you're saying. The the situations that that 21 team was in where they pulled out some victories, right? Mm-hmm. Very similar situations to the 2022 team that weren't a- weren't able to pull out those victories. Right. Yep. That's right. All, right. all right. Before we before we pick a couple of our other favorite bets, looking at those win totals, let, let's get to call your shot. And, and we asked y'all what y'all thought about OU's over under win total being nine and a half. This first one comes from Boom City Thirty Two, who says just right. Easily 3-0 in non-conference play, which means OU has to lose three games of Cincinnati, Iowa State, Texas, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, BYU, and TCU for the under 9.5 wins. To me, with this schedule, OU should not be losing three or more games. But Boom City 32, and uh, we, we, we tend to agree with him. When you look at the schedule, it... Man, it'd be disappointing if it's a three-loss team. 
as you look at it right now, it's it's hard to, and again, like I, like I said, things change. Someone is going to turn into a really, really good football team that you maybe just don't see it right now. Um, it's hard to find three losses on that schedule if you look at it right now. Other year, like if Kansas State was on there, okay, you know, I could I could start to point out some losses a little bit differently, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, and remember, don't play K State, don't play Texas Tech, don't play Baylor in the yeah. regular season. At least, maybe right. you end up getting one of those teams in, in the Big Twelve Championship game if you get there. But yeah, those right teams you lost to a year ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's you know that is a that that's part of it as well. So you look at you look at the schedule. That that's what we all keep coming back to. Like we you you look at that schedule and it's just I don't want to use the word easy, but now, last year's schedule I thought lined up pretty well too, though. And what happened happened. So you never know. And there's always injuries and all that stuff. But we're just talking on paper. Yep. Thinking everyone's going to be healthy for the most part and available. It just it looks good. This other one is interesting. Comes from Tyler G Ford Eleven, who says, I would take the under. Nine wins would be a successful year and would show that progress is being made. That's where I have them. Would nine wins be successful year? Nine and three in the regular season with well, this schedule? With with this schedule and assuming health and all of those things, no, in my opinion, absolutely not. Not even, I mean, no. No, it's not. It's, I know we've reset a little bit, but like you, I, no, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I mean, some people may, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad that you, the some of the fan base have tempered expectations, and that's fine. Um, think that that's good, but I don't. I, I think with this schedule, should be a, a ten win team, at least, and we should be in the Big Twelve Championship. The I, I think this is it's important to remind people. I know last year went poorly. Still Oklahoma, man. The expectations do not change, no matter how poorly it went the year before. Right, and I I know I feel that way, and I know the vast vast majority of the fan fan base feels that way. The expectation is to win the Big Twelve and go to the college football playoff. Yep. That's it, man. I mean, and it it never changes. <laughs> so uh to say to say a nine win season would be successful, yeah, obviously winning three more games than a year ago, right, that would be a good thing. But with how the schedule lays out, I I would be disappointed in that. Yeah. Uh, just because I that's just how I feel, man. <laughs> it's just it's where I'm at with it. if if you you look you can't look at the schedule and outside of Texas because you know that's the one game that historically it really doesn't matter how good one team or the other is entering the contest you know sometimes you have two top 5 teams 
and it's an absolute blowout. Sometimes you have one team that's top five and the other is, you know, has three losses rolling in and you've got a dog fight. And sometimes the, the, the bad team up to that point wins it. So that's the one that you just throw out. Like you can, you can envision losing that game. Every other game on that schedule, think about taking a loss in that game and how you would feel looking at it right now. You would not say, oh, yeah, UCF, you know, at home, it's their first time in the Big 12. They've run moles on, they've run a good offense. No, there's nobody that can look at really any of these games and say, yeah, as Oklahoma, it's understandable to lose to insert team here. I, at least for me right now, I don't see it. I, I think 99% of people, including me, <laughs> feel the same way that you do. All right. Okay. Let's, what are some other over under win totals that you like? As you look at these numbers in the big 12, what are, what are a couple of, if you, if you had to put a few shekels on some overs and unders, what, what are a couple that you like? I like Kansas State over eight and a half. Now, am I making a big mistake with Will Howard? Maybe. God, he made us look so stupid last year. And I know. And should I should I trust what I saw for the majority of his tenure at Kansas State? Or should I trust what I saw the second half of last year? Because the second half of last year for him was excellent. And I believe that players can get much better, especially whenever you turn into a starter, get those starter reps. Um, I think his confidence finally finally got there. So I think we're going to get good Will Howard. Um, I think their offensive line is going to be extremely solid. Um, I like their schedule. They got Missouri in the non-conference. I think they can beat Missouri. Um, you know, they don't play Oklahoma, which to them, maybe they're upset about that, but you know, they do dodge historically the team that has dominated the conference for, you know, 20 years. So I like Kansas state at, at eight and a half, but they're one of those teams that as soon as they, they convince you, they throw out a really disappointing year. I, mean, I know that they've got to replace some really tough players, good players, but you know, I'm, I don't know. I think they're in a good position to go over eight and a half. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I just think Kleiman's a really good coach, man. Yeah. I, I feel like that, that program, maybe more than any program in the big 12 right now knows exactly what they are on both sides of the ball. Yep. And uh, I think there, I think there's a lot of value in that. Now you got to replace Deuce Vaughn. You got to replace Malik Knowles on the defensive side. You got to replace Julius Brantz. You got to replace Felix Anudk Uzama. Like you got guys you got to replace. There's no doubt. But it, it just feels, and I know we throw the word culture around a lot. It just feels like climate has really created a culture of winning there. And like they just have a, they've got a lot of confidence and it's created a ton of buy in. So I, I, I would certainly not feel comfortable taking the under eight and a half on Kansas state. I know that. Yeah. And you know, you probably know this better than I do. I just haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't like actually gone and checked the numbers, but Kansas state 
is they don't seem like one of the teams that's been heavily impacted by the transfer portal. So they've remained a developmental program. So they've got a bunch of guys in the pipeline to where they tend to be a little, like they don't have great talent depth, but they have good developmental depth to where, you know, they can, they can absorb a loss or two because they've got guys that have been in the program for a long time. They've been running the same schemes for a long time. So I think that helps them as well. Yeah. And remember, it's only, it's only going to be year three in that defensive system switching to that three, three, five and had a lot of success doing it. And I think Colin Klein has opened that offense up a little bit uh, with the way that he's operating as the offense coordinator. So I I'm with you. I think that's a good one. Follow me on this. Oklahoma state at six and a half. I know it has been a tumultuous off season, right? Lost a lot of guys to the portal. Um, I get that. And I know it's hard to trust that Alan Bowman is going to come out there and just sling it as a quarterback. But Mike Gundy has won seven or more games 17 years in a row. So it's almost just a principle play. It's almost just, hey, stats are stats. Give me the over six and a half with Oklahoma State. The schedule is pretty favorable, but. It's almost just a bet on, hey, I think Mike Gundy's a damn good football coach. It, it's that simple for me, man. I totally agree. I, that's that's one of them that I have uh, written down. Uh, it's I've witnessed the death, s- supposed death of Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy like five times now. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and they just continue to claw back. They 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 do their work in relative uh, anonymity in, up in Stillwater. You don't hear a whole lot about what's going on there, and they just show up, and they win football games. Some years they win it with great defense. Some years they win it with great offense. Some years they win it with bad defense but a ton of turnovers. You know, it's just however they got to find a way to win. Totally agree. Um, I've heard some good things about Bowman there. Now, he's going to be a different quarterback than what you have with Spencer Sanders. Completely different. But that's fine. They've they've had success with a bunch of different he's more and I'm I'm obviously putting the best quarterback in in Oklahoma State history out there with Brandon Whedon, but that's more of what you get with Bowman. He's going to stand in the pocket and he can rip it all over the field. Now he'll make some mistakes. You know he's he's athletic enough to do some things outside of the pocket, but you get you get big time arm talent from Bowman in the pocket. Yeah, I mean you think of the most successful offenses that we've seen at Oklahoma State: Brandon Whedon, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, weren't exactly burners back there as runners. So maybe the offense looks more like that, more the vertical passing game that we're used to seeing there in Stillwater. Big year for Casey Dunn as the OC. But their offensive productivity, it's all going to be about the offensive line. Their offensive line, and I know they had injuries, that O-line sucked last year. They got to be able to run the football. and It can't just all be on Bowman's arm. right? It just can't. And 
we'll see what the defense looks like under Brian Nardo. They're switching to the three, three, five. Everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. So I, we'll see what the defense looks like, like how polished that looks in year one. But yeah, they're going to, Bowman's going to have to be huge, but they got to, that offensive line got to help them out, man, with some yep. run game and some solid protection. So we'll see, but Gundy's a good coach. That's, that's what the bet is. Hey, Mike Gundy's a good coach. My other one, Texas under nine and a half. Yep. Same. That's the same one. They, it, and it's very similar. It's almost the same argument, but the opposite as my Oklahoma state argument, one double digit win season in the last 13 seasons for Texas. And also, how about this? Steve Sarkeesian, he has been a head coach for nine seasons, right? Stops at USC, Washington, Texas. Pretty damn good programs, right? He's never won 10 games. Only won nine games one time. So, Texas has one double-digit win season in the last 13. Sarkeesian has never won more than nine games. Under nine and a half for the Longhorns. And yet, maybe, maybe I'm seeing it through crimson and cream glasses. I know Urban Meyer said they may have the best, uh, the best roster in all of college football. I think that offense is going to be legit. But these are these are a couple things that statistically we just we haven't seen. So Longhorns, this is what I call a show me year for Texas. Show me that you're not who you've been for the last. You know, decade plus. Show me that the program's different. Show me that the roster knows how to handle success and handle the hype. You got to show me. Under nine and a half for the Longhorns. Same. With all of the same reasons that you stated, I'll add one more in there. Their schedule is totally different than what Oklahoma's is. First off, in the non-conference, they're going to Alabama, which for some unknown reason... Uh, everyone in the country seems to think Alabama is going to be trashed this year. That is not going to happen. Um, I'll, I'll just tie it onto this. Urban Meyer is either drunk or he's doing, well, he's probably drunk too, but he's trying to get the Texas job. He knows, he, Urban Meyer is not stupid. He does some stupid things, but he's not stupid. He knows damn well. Texas does not have the best roster in college football. And it's not even close. They play Alabama in week two. I looked at this yesterday. I think the number is 46. Alabama has 46 five-star recruits in their last four recruiting classes. It went one year, two years of 12, a year of 13 and a year of nine five-star recruits in their last four recruiting cycles. And Texas has like 12 or 13. It, it, it the, the rosters are not anywhere remotely close. So urban's just trying to build, build it up that you got this unbelievable roster, best roster at college football. How could you only win seven games? Must be terrible. You know, he's, He's got to get fired. And I, you know, I don't have a job. You know, I'm just out here kind of hanging around. I've won championships at multiple places. That's what I think he's doing. But yeah, schedule for them, difficult. More, way more difficult, in my opinion, as we look at it today than Oklahoma's 
I'm, I would take the under on Texas too, and not even not lose a minute of sleep about it. You got you got any other win totals you like? Uh, there's some that I'm really interested in, and they're on the the ones that are on the super low end. I four and a half with West Virginia. I, it's they got a tough schedule, man. I know, and remember they they start the season at Penn State. They also have Pitt. In the non-conference, that like I in, in Houston's at four and a half, Cincinnati's at four and a half, which is like one of the things that I think is interesting when you look at Oklahoma's schedule. We avoid like Kansas State. We don't. Well, obviously, we play Texas, but we avoid Kansas State, who has the eight and a half win total, and then both Baylor and Tech have the seven and a half win totals. Like those are the teams in the conference that are on the higher end win totals and we avoid them. Like, you right. know, so, so that's kind of the thing with me, but yeah, uh, everyone else is <laughs> shocking that Kansas is six and a half win total. That's above a big chunk of the conference. I think they're going to be pretty salty. Yeah, I did too. I, you know, Jalen Daniels offensively, they got to be better on defense mm-hmm. though. Right. That defense was not good last season, even though that football team, that program has made a huge improvement under Lance Leipold, they got to get better defensively. I'm, I don't know the last time I said this. I'm excited to watch Kansas's offense I know. this season. Like, really excited. I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining offenses in the country if Jalen Daniels can stay healthy. Well, even if he can't stay healthy. Jason Bean's still there, man. Jason Bean is still there. They have, uh, you know, as far as, like, one and two, they have the two best quarterbacks, you know, in a room than anyone. It, we'll see about Oklahoma with, with Jackson Arnold. I think he's also, gonna be pretty daggum good. Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers. But I'm I am I'm pretty sure that Texas is not ever going to be star, uh, smart enough to play Malik Murphy. So <laughs> you know. I I hope you're right. Now there's one other one that I I look at it and I hate that I like it. Iowa State over five and a half. Follow me. Follow me on this. Last two seasons have been very disappointing. They may, the, they may be the most disappointing program in the country in the last two seasons as compared to expectations. They they went one and eight in conference play last year. But I know this. They're going to be really good on defense. There's just no doubt in my mind. I know they lost Will McDonald. I did, Listen, I know. I don't care. Under John Haycock, Iowa State's good on defense. So when you possibly got the best defense in the conference, and I know I, I know it's not the same. Like, good defense, it seemed to always trump good offense. It doesn't feel that way in football anymore, to me at least. But their defense is going to be really good. You're going to have a lot of chances to win football games because that defense is going to be good. Now, we'll see. Can Hunter Deckers and that offense, remember, new offense coordinator there in Ames? I mean, Matt Campbell really shook some things up. Uh, If Hunter Deckers could be better if that offensive line can be better if they can get that run game going again, if they can find someone. Now, as I list things, I understand. (laughs) I'm feeling worse and worse about it. If they can find someone to replace Xavier Hutchinson, if they can get back to having the tight ends involved, like all this stuff. But I just think, when you could possibly have the best defense in the conference, it, it's not 
unreasonable to think you could win six football games during the season. Yeah. I no, I I totally agree. Um it's interesting and I think this is conference only games. Iowa State had the best defense and the worst offense and Oklahoma had the best offense and the worst defense. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty interesting. Um the other thing is if we could just find out where the Iowa State athletes had their money. You know? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. Okay. We'll get to that very soon. Okay. We'll get to that. But yeah, that whole situation. Uh birthday shout outs first and then and then we'll get to the uh the Iowa betting scandal. All right. Welcome to the world. World. I don't know why I said it like that. Welcome to the world, Reed Clifton Westnidge. And welcome to the world, Raven Elizabeth Akins. Happy seventh birthday to Piper Thomas. Happy 12th birthday to Ellie Rose Ratcliffe. All right, we got a late edition. Happy 12th birthday to AJ Reed. Happy 30th birthday to Christina Palmer. And happy seventh anniversary to Christina and Ryan Palmer. Oh, look at the look at the birthday anniversary combo for Christina. Ryan, look at him marrying her on her birthday. Isn't that the best thing ever? You, Smart guy. You dot one present, Two right? Two birds with one stone. Yeah, That's only right. one present, honey. <laughs> only one. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first. Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Love's Connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Love's Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Love's Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with an expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise and is the best place to get your OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And hey, you hungry out there? Well, then head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and ice-cold beer. The food is fantastic, and it is the perfect spot to watch any big game. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. All right, college football roundup. Since you brought it up, let, let's talk about the Iowa and Iowa State situation first. Is scandal the right word? That is that the is that the proper word? Yeah, I think so. I so it's interesting. So Monday, Iowa announced that 26 athletes across five sports, including football players, are suspected of sports wagering. Iowa State announced that 15 athletes, including football players, have been suspended for gambling. Uh, this all comes on the heels of Alabama firing their baseball coach for being connected 
to suspicious betting on one of their uh, betting activity on one of their games against LSU. So I, I do think it is important, right? The, the head of the Iowa Racing and Gaming Commission did an interview with Action Network, and he said that there is zero suspicious wagering activity or match-fixing when it comes to the involvement of any Iowa or Iowa State sporting event or their athletes. So I thought that's important. But, Ted, this does feel like a big deal. Just how big of a deal, though? It's hard to know without knowing what exactly went on. Um, but this is going to become a a more and more common occurrence, I believe. Um, I, what, there's 33 states now that have legalized sports gambling since the Supreme Court decision, I think, what, five years ago or something like that. So the states, the dominoes continue to fall. Um, it's easier than it's ever been to place a wager on on a sporting event, doing it through apps and and stuff like that. So I think it's I think it's going to continue to be an issue. Now I've got I've got you know I've got problems with it. Just. Um, a personal privacy problems with it and and it has nothing to do with wh whether or not i think uh college athletes should be able to bet on sports and you know especially sports that they're not playing but i i don't know how they're getting this information and i i feel like it's they're creeping on their phones somehow or and maybe they've Maybe they've had to have given them the ability to do that, but I don't know. I think it's something that we're probably going to become more and more familiar with or used to as this rolls on. But, you know, there's only been a handful of, you know, you've had a handful of players in the NFL that have gotten caught. And as a, as a college athlete, you say, well, you know, I'm not going to get caught. Like, what? how are they, you know, how are they going to get me? But now that you have a, you've had the Alabama situation and then the Iowa and Iowa State situation, I can assure you every single athletic director in the country is meeting with their players, already have, right? But they're meeting again with their players to reinforce this NCAA rule. So hopefully everyone out there kind of learns from this and – is able to to steer themselves away from it and their teammates away from it, but it's something I feel like we're at least in the in the short term we're going to see. Yeah. So a couple things. First of all, the NCAA rule, right? Which you sit through that compliance meeting. I'm sure you sat through it when you were at OU. I sat through it. I assume it's a bigger deal now with how prevalent sport gambling is right yeah. now that it's legalized in so many states. But the NCAA rule essentially is. You cannot bet on anything, amateur, collegiate, professional, where you receive something of value depending on the outcome. So obviously that means no betting on games, period, at the college or pro level. It's not just games that you're playing. It's any games in any sport. So that that's the obvious part, but it also means no prop bets on games, 
right? You can't bet on the NBA playoffs if Devin Booker is going to have 26 points or more, something like that. Like you, you can't do that. It also, it, it goes as far as you're not supposed to be playing fantasy football for money. If you're a college athlete, right? You're not supposed to be in a March madness bracket challenge where money's on the line. Like technically that is all against the NCAA rules. Now I disagree with some of that. I do, but the rule is the rule. And it's clear that these athletes broke those rules. And it's pretty simple. When you sign up for you know, a mobile betting app, there is a terms of service that you agree to, right? That I'm assuming none of these kids read that says, hey, we have, you are forfeiting your rights. We can track all of your bets, your data, your name, like everything. Like the betting companies are collecting all of that. And there is a bunch of nerds that are monitoring it 365 days a year, every second of every day. And when something out of the ordinary happens, that system sends a red flag. Someone looks at it and they move quickly. I mean, just hearing the details of how quickly they moved on the Alabama situation, like it's fascinating. Yeah. And that one is like supposedly, right? It was they zoomed in on the phone to see who he was talking to or, or texting. That's the crazy part about that one. <laughs> yeah. That one so- took place in actual. Like that wasn't made over a phone. That was made in a sports book. Yeah. So I, I I think these kids made a mistake. I don't think they should lose their eligibility if they were betting on the NBA playoffs. So right? a college football player betting on the NBA playoffs. I don't think that should be against the rules. I, I don't think the rules should be this strict. Right, it, it it's a rule that has been in place for a long, long time. The world's different now, man. It's yeah. different, right? We we look at sports gambling completely differently than we did twenty years ago, and I think college athletes should be able to bet on pro sports. I mean, everyone else in these states can't. Why why can a college athlete not bet on professional sports? Now, I I think the rule could be simple. And it could be easy, right? You got to register your name in these betting apps. And like, there could be an easy way to where you register your affiliation as a college athlete. Like there are a lot of smart people that can, that can figure all that out. But I think the rule could be this simple. You cannot bet on any game that your school is playing in, in any sport. And I, I think if that was the rule, you you are eliminating the vast majority of inside information that could be exchanged mm-hmm. between college athletes, right? Hey, you're in the training room. You run into this, you know, the, the Friday starter for the baseball team. He's getting his elbow worked on. He's getting it iced. He's saying, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm in pain, blah, blah. You're like, okay, you can't bet on that. But, you're a college football player. You should be able to bet on whether Kevin Durant will score over 28 points. If it's legal in your state, if it's legal, exactly. Exactly. Because, because that really ties back to the real root of the original intention of the law. I, at least the way that I view it is 
say you have a, an athlete that is wagering with a local bookie and finds himself down a couple of grand and the bookie says, hey, you know, you're down. In order to square things a little bit, I've got a favor to ask, right? And then I think that's where you get into issues. But now where it's legalized and it's majority of it done right there through an app that could be easily tracked, you know, with, with um, you know, whether it's through the school, however that has to be done, then I think that's, that's a way to look at it. But I mean, ultimately I get the, I get the re like people want to have the, the feeling that there's nothing shady going on on the playing field with any type of point shaving, trying to influence the outcome of a game. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that those situations, especially in team sports are, extremely rare whenever you find the the handful of situations where it's alleged to have happened and the amount of games that are taking place throughout the country on a daily basis it's just a it, it doesn't seem to be something to worry about that much but you know i i guess i kind of see both sides i yeah i think when it comes to states where it is legal right where where you can mobile bet you can do all that stuff i i think I think the NCAA is going about this incorrectly, right? Mm -hmm. It's legal now. Like, encourage transparency as opposed to saying, telling all of these, you know, 18 to 22 year olds that, hey, you can't do what is legal for everyone else in your state. Now, put some guardrails around it, right? But encourage transparency. As opposed to them, you know, operating in the gray or in the dark, the shadows. Right. Like, encourage them, if they're going to do it, to do it legally above board where it's all monitored. Yeah. Which, I, you know, and which they're, they've shown here with Iowa and Iowa State that they have the ability to do. Right. Right. So. Like, if they're. If they're able to bust these kids for doing it, they'd be able to track their bets and allow sure. them to do it legally. Yeah. So I I think <laughs> I know this. There are some people out there sweating bullets that uh, you know, college athletes that have been betting in the Bet MGM app or FanDuel, whatever, and are going, Oh my gosh, I'm next. I'm totally next. Yeah. Don't they're gonna run that uh that let's run an audit, you know, just, just, just to cross check some of these names with, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, it's going to keep happening. Like I, and I was just thinking, man, like put myself back in, in college. Like if someone's like, if, which by the way, how is sports betting still not legal in Oklahoma? What are we doing guys? Figure it out, yeah. figure it out. But I mean, think about the Super Bowl. You know, betting on the national anthem in the Super Bowl. That's against the rules. Why the hell is that against it? You know what I said? Like you you put five dollar, ten dollar bets on these small things on the Super Bowl now, and it just it makes it a more fun viewing experience. Like, hey, who's gonna score the first touchdown? Like stuff like that. Right. Yeah. 
Like, I've, of course, I would have bet on that if I would have been able to. It would have been fun. $5 or whether that over hit on the national anthem. Yeah, that's fun. It's harmless. Yeah. It's not inside information or anything like that. So that's where I think the rule needs to be reevaluated for sure. I do too. Not holding out any hope that it does. Right. It is the NCA. All right, let's move on to the other thing I want to talk about. Ted, spring meetings coming up for the SEC in Destin. OU in Texas will be there. Uh, the big topic will be what the future schedule will look like, which got me to thinking, weren't we weren't we talking about this like a year ago? Yeah. Remember the three, will, will they do one plus eight or three plus six? So like, how... How has this not been finalized yet? What what's the holdup, man? What what's going on here? I guess, I guess they just haven't hit that. I don't, I don't think they've had like an official vote on it. I think they've just been like trading notes on it, and it sounds like they do not have a consent. Well, they don't have. Uh, they don't. Everyone is not on the same page as of right now. I and I get that. Like I understand why a school like Kentucky maybe wouldn't want to play another conference game, right? I, I get that, why they would want to play eight instead of nine, right? You schedule another non-con game, you schedule it at home, you get the revenue from that game at home, you schedule an easy win. I get it. I, I totally get that. But ultimately, I have to assume the holdup, it's about what these things are always about. It's about money. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's just no doubt in my mind that the SEC has gone to ESPN and said, hey, I know we had that pro radicon, you know, that, that little bullet point in the contract, right? If we added teams, they'd get the same as every other team, and that that's how we would get to a new total for the media rights deal. But they added OU in Texas. Not just some teams, man. Two of the biggest brands in college football. And I assume Greg Sankey and the SEC, they're going, hey, if we're going to have each of these teams play non-conference games now, you guys are going to have a lot more, you know, a lot more big games, several more big games for y'all to televise. We're, we're going to need you to amend that contract a little more, right? Especially now that we know what the Big Ten is going to be bringing in. And on the other side of it, ESPN is probably like, guys, you signed what you signed. Right? We're we're trying to cut costs. Have you seen all the people we're firing? Like, we're trying to cut costs. You signed what you signed. So, <laughs> I and I have no inside information on this, but I could see the SEC trying to use the possibility of an eight-game schedule and not the nine-game conference schedule as a bit of a bargaining chip, right? To to try to nudge ESPN in the direction that they want to go. Yeah. I, I mean that that makes a lot of sense. Um always always trying to to you know maneuver your your way to the top and get the most squeeze the most that you can out of it. And you know if they want to renegotiate and sign a new deal if this gives them the opportunity to do it, I I don't see why. And I'll tell you what, man, 
I have a feeling where everything is going. And I think ESPN, if they if they are getting an opportunity to SEC is wanting to renegotiate money wise, I think they are morons if they don't do it. Cause how much revenue does the SEC bring in a year? It's over a billion dollars, right? Yeah. I I think just with the reporting I've seen, you know, if you and I think you I don't know if you say it pro rata or pro rata. I've never I've never known. I've always said pro rata. I could sound like an idiot, and I'm fine with that. But I think if you, you look at the clause that was in that contract, I want to say the reporting said it's going to be they're going to be bringing in $927 million from this TV deal with ESPN per season. Yeah. So that's how much they make from ESPN. And ESPN profits on top of that, right? That's how much the SEC's piece of the pie is. You know how easy it is to do it yourself? For the SEC to say, hey, you know what? It's been fun working with you, ESPN. You guys have made things really streamlined and easy. We show up and we play. But we've been thinking about it. Most of us already have the infrastructure put in. We can broadcast our own games and stream it. Super easy. Thanks. Good luck to you guys in the future. We're launching our own SEC network, streaming all of our games. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, thanks for teaching us how to do it all these years. In, in fact, we, in, in fact, we're going to poach some of the people from your company <laughs> and, and you remember the people you fired. Yeah. We're going to take them to, yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's where everything's going. Like you see, you know, it's not so much sports right now, but the streaming aspect of things is like, I, I think, I think big media as we've known it is is going to be no more in a matter of time. Like, I don't know how fast that timeline is. Yeah. I feel like that was, that was something that gained steam like that, that narrative. And it just, it hasn't been the case with live sports though. Like having that, you know, that broadcast element, right. That network element, it, it continues to be extremely valuable. And it's, you know, it's a conversation about, just, it's about distribution, right? Yeah. People, People getting eyeballs at it. That's why so many people have have basically made fun of the Pac-12 with how their media rights deal, their negotiation is going. Because like, hey, yeah, you can do this all, you can do this big streaming component, but is anyone going to see it? Well, and here's the other thing for the SEC: like, you could do it and not stream it. The there's a bunch of television networks out there that put out content that I mean it's not like it cost them a hundred billion dollars to put these these television stations together. You think if the SEC made a a, a network station a, a a television station that Directv and Cox and everyone wouldn't pick it up? They pick it up in a heartbeat. So I don't know. I, that's why I think ESPN. Uh, they, uh, I know that they, they're in a really good position right now and they've spent a ton of money on live sports and everyone seems to be relatively happy with the way things are going. Everyone's making a lot of money. We're all happy here. We're all happy here. But uh, as big of an organization as they've become, 
I think it, at some point they're going to be exploring how they can do it themselves and maybe make twice as much money. Yeah, I don't I I don't know enough about the mechanics of those deals like and what would be possible if they went out on their own. I also don't know how long their contract is with ESPN when it comes to the SEC network, right? Because the SEC network is ESPN. I, I just, yeah. It just, well, it's, it's at least it's 10 years starting in 25, isn't it? And that, how that works. No, I'm just talking like the SEC network is an yeah, ESPN yeah, yeah. channel. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how, how long that partnership, like, I don't know what that contract yeah. looks like. Right. But when it comes to the, the future schedule, I think it's going to end up being non-conference games. Uh, I think Greg Sankey is going to is going to get everyone to at least agree to it, right? The three annual opponents, the six other conference games that rotate every year, right? To where in a four-year span, every team is playing a road game at every stadium in the conference. I, I think they're going to get there. The, the reason that I think that money, like an upping that, the media rights number uh, as you know, the total number for this deal. Uh, the reason I think that that is a, that that's what's holding things up is because part of me thinks Greg Sankey is tired of hearing what the big 10 is going to get. I think he's probably tired of hearing what, how good of a job Brett Yormark is doing as the big 12 commissioner, right? He's getting lots of love for the things that he's doing for the big 12. He, I, I think Sankey probably wants to remind people who the most powerful person in college athletics is. Mm-hmm. And he, he's not oh, everyone that works in those jobs. Like I, I'm not saying Greg Sankey's not a great guy. I've met him a couple times. Very nice, but you got an ego when you're in that position. And, and I just got a feeling that he's going, I'm, I'm going to go get some eye opening money. Right. And you know, people can think, hey, look at the Big Ten, look at your mark. No, 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 no. I'm gonna remind everyone who's who's the boss here. <laughs> so yeah. I I I'm very curious to see what it ends up looking like. No, no, I, I totally agree. Um it it's the it's the best. It has the most rabid fan base. It's it's become really unlike any of the other conferences um an entity of its own uh to some degree with the amount of success that they've had and the amount of championships that have come out of the conference and yeah so i that would not shock me at all if if that's how it's going like if we're the best and everyone knows we're the best and you're telling us we're the best well we need to be clearly when it comes to dollars the best yeah and that's I think I think that's a very fair argument that Greg Sankey is probably making to to ESPN. So we'll we'll see. All right, those those meetings are later in the month, and hopefully, we'll OU fans will just know what it's going to look like. Right? We all just want to know what it's going to look like. So um, hopefully, that gets done sooner rather than later. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. 
Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships, and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Man, I had to go with Germany. The NFL has announced, they haven't done a full schedule um, uh, announcement yet, but they've started to trickle some stuff out, and we're getting the international action. So what you've got, I believe, three games that are going to be in uh, Great Britain and then two in Germany, and I think that's awesome. There's there's a lot of Americans over there with the military bases and stuff, and Germany actually has a big football following. They had NFL Europe there for a while, and I think they still have some some type of league there where they still still watch American football, and uh, I imagine that's going to be really, really well represented and well followed there in Germany. I I played in the London game, right? We we went for the entire week. We actually played a game on Sunday, got a few hours to go home, got our bag together, hopped on the plane, flew to London, spent the full week there. And then I think we were down 21 to nothing to the Jaguars because we'd been <laughs> drinking all week. It was uh, awesome. It was awesome though. Came back, ended up losing that game. Unfortunately, it was at Wembley. It was awesome. Just an awesome experience. And yeah. I can only imagine what it's going to be like in Germany, man. Can you can you imagine Creed Humphrey and the Belldozer over in Germany for a week? Now, some teams go for a couple of days, not the entire week, but no beer will be safe in the country from Creed. I mean, come on. I have a feeling if that happens, Creed is going to have to say, I'm sorry, guys, I'm staying. <laughs> It was. He's fun. wearing later housing as he says it. <laughs> yes, I'm staying, guys. Sorry, I'm staying. I'm, no, I'm one I, with the Germans, but I I do think, I think that's gonna be really cool, right? I think the Chiefs Dolphins game is in Frankfurt, if I remember correctly. So I, I've never been there. You know, been to Munich, uh, been to Berlin. Berlin's a different place now. Pack yeah. pack the all black outfits. Don't uh, look happy, but leather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our, <laughs> it, my sister-in-law was studying abroad over there, and she goes, we go to some, like, you're thinking, yeah, club, a lot of lights, a lot of bass. And she was like, when you're in line, do not talk, do not smile. I'm like, what the? 
okay, all right. <laughs> we got in. So I passed the test, whatever the test was. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, make sure you know the dress code over there, which does include fanny pack. All right. Got to wear the fanny pack when you're in Europe. But yeah, expanding the NFL continues to uh, expand its global reach. Yeah. All right. Who whether, your... whether these countries want it or not, the NFL's coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the country's like, fine. Fine. Oh, that's good. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Uh, I thought this was an interesting one, kind of fun, but uh, I had to go with Georgia. David Pollock, we all know him, ESPN, um, incredible football player, by the way, three-time All-American, was just an absolute beast. Uh, I feel like his 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 commentary and stuff like that has people forgetting like what he was on the football field. He's just an absolute animal. Um, but he had a he had a quote that I thought was interesting. Be happy, George. You've won two championships in a row. To expect a third is just it's too much. I don't expect a third. Be happy with, with what we've had. This run has been incredible. And it cements what I what I thought, what I knew. I was starting to change my mind and I was I needed this to bring me back down to earth. Georgia's not a blue blood. And that this is all you needed? That's all I needed. The yeah. lack of confidence, you're saying? Yeah, you've won two straight. It's okay if they don't win a third. Don't even expect to win a third. The run that you've been on right now is is incredible. So temper your temper your expectations. Not a blue blood, right? I'll, I'll say this. The coach, after the national championship game, was looking in the stands going, one, two, three. Like he. <laughs> He's caught up in the moment. He he knows. He knows the talent they got out of that roster, right? He knows. So, yeah, I wouldn't say traditionally, right? Georgia's not in the blue blood category. But if I'm a Georgia fan, I don't care what you call us. We've won two in a row, dude. That's right. Call yeah. us what you want. Definitely true hey, to that. You may not call us a blue blood, but guess what we are? We're the most dominant program in college football. We're we're wearing the championship belt, and yeah. someone's going to have to come take it from us. Like, yeah, let, me know when they, let me know when they give out rings for being a blue blood, right? It, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, Oklahoma, and listen, we love our blue blood status. Don't get me wrong, but it's been a while. We do. Been we a do. while. We're gonna we're gonna be on the uh, the relegation blue blood relegation list if something doesn't happen. Yeah. Right? But no, I thought that was funny. I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting. It's just a weird time for him to come out and say that. I don't know. I, and I guess I, I didn't hear the whole conversation, but um, I thought that was funny. And and I, I, in all honesty, I don't expect any Georgia fans to to listen to that. They're going yeah. to be demanding three three straight. Yeah, of course they are. They're they arguably have, I don't care what Urban Meyer says, they arguably have the most talented roster in the country. I, When you said Georgia was your loser of the week, I thought you were going to bring up the fact they're not going to the White House. Dude, oh. listen. And, and, and I, they haven't, a team hasn't gone since, what was it, you know, LSU 2019 because of COVID, right? COVID, didn't yeah. go in 2020, didn't go in 2021. But I'm telling you right now, man, and I know some Georgia fans are going, oh, yeah, hell yeah, Kirby. Yeah, Joe Biden, we're not going to see Joe Biden. 
that whole situation, you put politics to the side, man. Ted, I got a question. You ever been to the White House? Yes. When'd you go? After we won the national championship in 2000. You want to ask me if I've ever been to the White House? Have you ever been? No, because guess why? I've never won a national championship. Yep. I, I think it's a mistake for them not to go. I think it's, it's I, don't, I don't care what your political affiliation is. It doesn't matter. You don't turn down that opportunity for those guys. And guys in that locker room, they should raise hell and say, we want to go. I, I don't think I'm ever going to get invited to the White House. I want to go. I don't care who the president is. It doesn't matter to me. I want to go because you know what? If you get invited, that means you did something incredible. And for them to say, oh, June 13th doesn't work for us. It's just not feasible. If I'm one of the guys in that locker room, I'm saying, no, it's feasible. We'll all be here. We'll all get on the plate. We'll all go. Because we earned this. Yeah. I, and the sick thing about Kirby is maybe it's this simple. He doesn't want him to miss a Monday workout during, during summer workouts. Right. Like he Thank loves you. winning that much. But, man, I think it's a, I think it's a huge mistake to not accept that invitation and to allow those guys to have that experience. I think it's a huge I think it's a huge mistake because it may be the only time ever that you get the opportunity to go and see you know one of the most historic places in this country. I mean, I've never met a president. I, I want to just give me one. I don't care which one it is. Like give me one. I want to meet a president. Like I want to talk to the president. Are you kidding me? I just, I saw that and I know a bunch of people made it political and all that. If you get the invite, you go. It doesn't matter what your ideology, it doesn't matter. You go because it's quite literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yep. Yep. It is. It's, um, here's the thing. In, like they've made a they've made a political statement by not going, even though they've obscured that and not announced that by not going and not finding a time to say hell yeah we're go- we're going to go to the White House. You're making a political statement, and here's the thing: no one gives a damn. They won't give a damn in 15 minutes about your political statement, even if you come out with a. 30 minute long speech about why you aren't going. They'll care for 15 seconds and they'll be on to something else. In the meantime, you've had a a full locker room full of guys that for the most part, probably never have another opportunity to go there. And here's the other thing. It doesn't matter who the president is. Doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're from. It's not their white house. It's your white house. It's your government. You go. You go see your house, your historical house. See the inside of it. You see the Capitol building. You see all of that stuff. You go around and see the sites. Who cares who's occupying it at the time? It's yours. Go enjoy it. I completely agree. Maybe maybe Kirby Smart will hear this and change his mind. Kirby's like, no, no, no. You're running stadiums on Monday, June 13th, boys. We're yeah. going for three in a row. You can find a place to get a workout in a DC. I guarantee I, you. I, I, I couldn't believe that when I read that. I did. 
I wish I had that opportunity, man. I yep. Never have. Never had it. Probably never will. These guys had it. And I blame the people that are in charge. They did they did those players a disservice. Right. I whoever made that decision, it, it, even if it was player driven, which I highly doubt. You, you go. Give them the man. option. Like, it, yeah, if all of them don't want to go, then let some of them go. Whoever wants to go, we're going. Yeah. Like if you are, you know, if you're so anti Biden, you don't want to go, fine. Stay home, man. The rest of us, this once in a lifetime opportunity, we're taking it. I'm going. I know this. I'm going and getting my picture in the Oval Office. Damn it. I'm doing it. Just it's that simple for me, man. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's let's uh let's get to my winner and loser. But first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. Family owned and operated. They got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program. Here's how it works. Buy a new or used car. All you have to do is get all of the manufacturer-recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership. And if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. What a deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with the Chicago Blackhawks. Listen, I, I'm watching playoff hockey. Clearly, Blackhawks not in it, but they won the NHL draft lottery, which means they get some Canadian kid named Connor Bedard. I don't know anything about hockey, man, okay? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I know very little. But I know this dude is supposed to be the truth. Right. Yeah. If you got Connor McDavid out there who is widely considered the best player in hockey, saying, you know, talking about how good this kid already is, it from everything I read, it is huge for the Chicago Blackhawks franchise. So congrats to the Blackhawks. Yeah, that's awesome. I um I I like to see the Blackhawks, you know, get back into the mix a little bit. And the fact that they're getting another um Another guy that's destined for great things is is awesome. Connor McDavid was watching him the other night. Incredible. Yeah. I, I also thought about going with Chris Kleiman. Big old fat extension. And he earned it, right? Going to keep yep. him in Manhattan through 2030 with an average annual salary of five and a half million. Guy's a really good coach. So that's got to – K-State fans got to feel really good about that. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big-time deal and – it's crazy to think, you know, K State up over five million dollars now paying their coach. That's a that's a good number. And you know, at times 
Kansas State fans probably could never have imagined they'd be paying their football coach $5.5 million. It's awesome. No, no. And he seems really happy there. I've had conversations with him about it. Loves Gene Taylor. So I think he really loves where he's at uh, there in Manhattan. All right, but my winner of the week, the Philadelphia 76ers. Woo! Went to Boston and smacked the Celtics. 115-103. They take a 3-2 series lead, right? And they're heading back home for game six. First of all, Celtics, the second they came out in those jerseys, they deserved to lose. <laughs> what? Not in what the playoffs, man. Listen, and if it's, I, I don't know. Remember, Bill Russell passed away. If that jersey's, I, I don't know the, I don't know all the reasoning behind the Celtics city edition jerseys, right? If it's a Bill Russell thing, I got it. But I know this. Bill Russell would want you to wear the tradition, the traditional look yep. in that game. You yep. have one of the best jerseys in all of basketball. And you choose those? I mean, what are y'all doing? But also that Joel B guy, he did pretty damn good. 33 and seven. Ted, but Tyrese Maxey, he was the one that was, I mean, sheesh. 30 points, 6 to 12 from 3, just a massive performance in a a very, very impressive win and a very deflating loss for the Celtics. P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker. One of my favorite players, man. I, I love that dude. I love the attitude you, he brings. You know why you love him? And I've got a list of these guys. It's because you think he could play football. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know he could. I know he could. That's why we love those. We the, all the guys that we're looking at going. That's why I love Lou Dort. Every time I look at him, I'm like, gosh, if he was just an edge guy coming off this yes, outside linebacker, pass rusher. Oh, incredible! Like we love we we cheer for those guys because we see them and we see we see pads on them. We envision pads on them. Yeah, and I wasn't sure if he was going to assault Embiid whenever he was uh, on a mission to go over there and, and chat him up, but. I just like it. I like his energy. I like his toughness. Um, he made the right decision by playing basketball, though. Yes, he right he's he's made a lot of money. And from yep. what I understand, he has quite the shoe collection. But in that game, man, anytime it felt like the Celtics were coming back, like they'd make a mini run, Embiid would just get in the pick and roll and just bury shots in Horford's face in the mid-range, or they'd hit some dagger threes. It's like they answered every single time and a lot went wrong for the Celtics. Right. Al Horford couldn't hit a shot. Certainly couldn't garden bead. Derek White just hasn't been the same guy, you know, for the last month or so. Um, they're just so dependent on Tatum and Brown to carry them offensively. But things get a little stale. 76ers, they kind of they just look like the better team and it looks like more guys are involved. And clearly Embiid's presence on the defensive end at the rim is a rather large deterrent. So That's I just, incredible. I was, I was really impressed with the 76ers. They just look like the better team, man. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, I think Embiid is, you just never know how many opportunities you're going to get. Right. And it feels like this, this year of all years, if you could find a way to make it through the uh, the gauntlet of the East, like I don't know, it feels like it's pretty up in the air this year, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. All right, for my loser of the weekend. Weekend. Week. Loser of the week. Thought about going with the Phoenix Suns. Went to Denver, lost game five. Dude, Jokic is just so good. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's so good. He's so fun to watch. He's just so, he's so different than the other great players of the league. Just like this big, goofy dude that just makes everyone around him better. 29, 13, and 12. Just gets so many guys involved. And they just, you know, when they're hitting shots, fun to watch. And Phoenix just, they, they don't have the firepower. Right. They don't have the balance that Denver's got if so many of those guys are going to be contributors. It was another another display of brilliance from the Serbian. Yeah, and it was it was cool to see him and the uh the Suns owner laughing it up there too after the uh the controversy in the previous game. That was good. Yeah, no, that was fun. Matt Ishby was like, Yeah, uh, that's my bad. <laughs> that's my bad. But my loser of the week. It's just one of the weirder things I can remember a coach doing. Bob Huggins. I mean, what in the world was that? Just a casual dropping of a homophobic slur, not once, but twice on live radio. Right after the guy said, hey, we're on there. It's live radio. Doing that in 2023, I it, it is one of the stupider things. We've heard a prominent coach say ever that was Ted, Ted, that was so bizarre. Like I didn't even know how to react. Yeah. Uh, well, my first reaction was you can't say that you shouldn't say that you're on live radio. I don't, it, if you use that type of language in your private life, that's one thing, but this wasn't a, Oh, someone, Gotcha. Recorded him without him knowing, talking in a bar. This was on live radio in Cincinnati on like a 50,000 watt station. Was he drunk? He sounded drunk to me. Not that that's an excuse, but I just, I don't know. Like That's the only logical explanation to me is that he was wasted. Right. Yeah. And listen, I, if he was an executive in corporate America, he'd been fired already. And I don't know if this is going to cost him his job, right? He put out his statement. West Virginia put out their statement. And it has been radio silence ever since. Right. And it feels like the longer nothing happens, the more likely he is to keep his job. Right. They're trying to figure out what the punishment is going to be. But I listen, you you and I, we both grow up in sports culture. We heard the lot heard that word a lot as kids. We don't say it. That's not an excuse. I, it, I, I've heard a lot of people say stuff like, well, Bob Huggins is from a different generation, blah, blah, blah. He's, you know, sports. It's, it, it's, it's just different. Listen, man, there's right and wrong. They're stupid and smart. And this is wrong and stupid. Yeah. So I... I don't want to hear the excuses. Like the guy is the face of the university. When you think West Virginia, you think Bob Huggins sitting on the stool in the windbreaker. You, you just, I, I could not believe he did that. It was st stunning. And I, the first amendment, it gets, and then it gets turned political and all this, that. Listen, no, it was just dumb as hell to right. do when you are in his position, when you are the face of a school, 
And you also, by the way, they had an awesome offseason in the transfer portal. He added all kinds of talent. He's about to have the best team he's had in a while. You do something this dumb? I well, I I just I don't know. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happens. You're on live radio and and you let that fly. I I, I, what else do you say? It's the dumb. It's one of the dumber things we've seen. Like it wasn't a slip, right? Said it twice. When you doubled down, it's not a slip. All right. You didn't get crossed up. You didn't, you weren't tongue tied. So yeah, there's really no excuse. It's it. Now it falls on the lap of, of West Virginia leadership to see what they're going to do. Um, they're in a, they're in a very difficult situation because I you got a coach that is um a Hall of Famer and born in Morgantown, West I, Virginia grad, and is going into what year 17 right. and does incredible work in that community for all kinds of different charitable causes. And you never want to sum somebody's entire career up with with one act. If he's fired, this'll this'll be it'll ruin a lot of his legacy. Some would argue that it should, and maybe it should, don't know. But like you, you hate to you hate to wrap everything somebody does up into one radio interview, right? Because there's a whole bunch of good in there. Right. So it's hard to be in in the administration's position. You mentioned that they they have a good year coming up too, right? So it's not easy. My guess is with the radio silence that we've seen, it's like if we can get through a week of a news cycle, we'll wait a little while, issue some punishment, issue a fine, some type of suspension, some type of educational program that he's got to attend back page on a Friday evening. Like that's, that's probably what they're going to do. If, if they're going to try and keep him as the head coach. How how would you like to be the new AD there? Ren Baker, Oklahoma guy, by the way. That's right. What, yeah. uh, Southeastern Oklahoma. Yeah. He, you, you inherit Neil Brown's contract. Mm-hmm. Right. And that whole situation with their football program. And then your Hall of Fame basketball coach that some people like the results the last couple of years have not been great. Some people are saying, I know they went to the tournament this year, but some people are saying, ah, can he adjust to what college basketball is now with NIL, the transfer portal? And then he goes and does this. Yeah. I mean, that's the other side of it too is, and I don't know what his contract situation is, but you can fire him for cause. That's Easy. right. You fight well. That's what I'm saying. Is like if if there was any anything floating around there, like maybe the game's passed him by and it's time to move on. Like here's your get out of jail free card and not have to pay a big buyout and bring a new coach in with the what you think is going to be a pretty good roster. So I don't know. I I do think it's important to remember these decisions really aren't that they're not made by sports people. This decision is not going to be made by the athletic director. It's going to be made by Gordon Gee, who's the president and the board of regents, trustees, whatever they call it there at West Virginia, public university, right? Yep. 
there's typically not a ton of sports people in that. But I, I do think, and this is where it gets really complicated for West Virginia, got to consider a lot, man. What's the blowback look like if they fire him from their fan base, right? And just from everything that I've seen, I think the vast majority of West Virginia fans want him to keep his job. Yeah. But then you got to consider what's the blowback if we don't fire him? Right? Public perception is a very real thing. How does firing him or not firing him, how does it affect enrollment? How does it affect sponsors wanting to get involved with the athletic department? There, I mean, there's so much to consider. But all you got to do is look at the Bud Light situation, right? Yeah. I mean, depending on what decision you make, like it, it can have big repercussions, right? That's the world we live in right now. So I, when you look at it, the more, the more I look at it, it, I tend to think he's going to keep his job, but I, who knows this podcast could come out and they could have just fired him, but (laughs) that's, that's how it works. Sometimes I would, it's not going to shock me either way. I agree with that. Yeah. I, if, if he stays, I won't be surprised. Um, the, the, I don't think he'll get a slap on the wrist. I think he'll get some type of um, 10 games, 15 games, something like that. Something like that, a fine, and you know who knows what else. Uh, but if they come out and say, "Hey, you know, we've we've decided to to move on from Bob Hogan's. We appreciate everything he's done here. He's obviously a legend, but you know, we 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 believe it's time for West Virginia and Bob Huggins to part ways. That wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, and I, I think if that happens. It's going to be very, very interesting to see how that fan base reacts. I just those portal guys that they added react, you know? Yeah. Not to mention the effect on the actual team, but I, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch this thing play out, but just an incredibly stupid thing to do. Incredibly stupid. Incredibly stupid. And on that note, episode 316 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Sunday. Just a reminder, men out there, Mother's Day is Sunday. You've been reminded. You have no excuse. Flowers, present, whatever. Cook them a meal. Massage their feet. Whatever. Make sure you take care of your mom and your wife. Don't be the guy that forgets. We have warned you. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one.